Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Today's guest, Greg Marshall, is a social media marketing expert. He helps business owners utilize Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads to grow their business. If you are interested in his services, please see the show notes. Today's interview focuses on Greg's background, mindset, and philosophy. I met Greg at the Utah Podcast Coalition. He presented to us on how we can grow our podcasts. I hope you enjoy this interview. So most of my listeners do not know who you are. Can you tell us where you're from? Sure. Parents are like how you got to Salt Lake City, Utah. Sure, sure. Yeah, so my background is basically uh, I'm a military brat. My father was in the military. We moved around a little bit. And uh, I'm actually originally from New York. I was born in Manhattan. And then I lived in upstate New York for a while, kind of like in the Syracuse area. Um, You know, I was a huge baseball player and fan. And that's, you know, everything I love to do. And so when we first when we lived in New York, I basically like convinced my father to get the military to move them out to Las Vegas because you could play baseball year round versus only a couple of months. And so uh, we ended up in Las Vegas and then I grew up there, um, you know, up until college. And yeah, my, my parents, my background, I've got a younger brother, younger sister. And, uh, you know, I went, I, I played high school baseball. I played, you know, all the competitive sports was very deep into it. I eventually wanted to become a baseball player it didn't work out, you know, and it sounds like you, you took a look at one of my videos on my YouTube channel. Um, and then the, the question I get all the time is you grew up in Las Vegas. How did you end up in Utah? And the answer to that was um, in Vegas, after uh, I finished my junior college career, I got recruited to play at Southern Utah University um, down in Cedar. Yep. I went there too. Okay. Yeah. So then I went to Southern Utah. I got recruited. Um, I played there. And then I, I just, I like the uh, Utah lifestyle. It's a little bit slower than Vegas, which is good for me. And uh, so I stayed. That's so great. And tell me about um, some of the things that you learned from your parents. Like what's a lesson that you feel like you learned or you taught, like you gained from your parents? Yeah. So my parents, I mean, so my mother taught me a, a super valuable lesson. I actually do talk about this quite often with people, which is, you know, you never know who's watching and to never give up. Right. And she told me this lesson um, after a game when I played for the Henderson Hawks out in uh, Vegas, we were in a tournament and we were kind of, we were getting beat pretty good uh, after this one game. And I was feeling really down. Like I couldn't believe we were losing. So, cause we were like a, a top rated top nationally ranked team. So I wasn't used to losing. And so I was giving like 50% effort when we were losing pretty good. And my mom 
told me, you know, hey, you never know who's watching. You never know what could happen. You should never give up. You just got to keep trying. And uh, I, I, I play that lesson in my head actually all the time now. I, I constantly think about it and just go, you never know. You, you can't just count anything out. So that's a big lesson that my, my mother taught me. What about your father? Yeah, so my father, he taught me, uh, he taught me to take risks, um, to, to be okay with the possibility of failure and that you can always bounce back. And, you know, he, he taught me many things, especially hard work. So you always have to work hard for what you want. Never feel like you're above anyone. And, you know, always be, you know, someone that can make a positive impact in someone else's life and not necessarily be, you know, very combative or, or, you know what I mean? Like tearing people down, but be someone that people view you as uh, you're, you're uplifting and you're helping others. Yeah. Those are great lessons. I think they did a good job. (laughs) Good job of like, you're doing a good job of applying those in your life. So that's, that's a compliment to them. I appreciate it. And they definitely would appreciate that comment. So I'll have to make sure to send them that clip. Um, And I'm also curious. um, So how do you feel like you're the, I mean, cause I feel like being in baseball, playing these, a sport for all these years, Yes. Influences your life. Yes. Um, how do you feel like that obsession maybe with, yes. with baseball has helped you in the marketing world? I can tell you right now, baseball has helped me in every aspect of my life, um, especially in marketing, sales, and business. And I'll tell you why. So if you're not familiar with how baseball works, you're like basically an all-time great if you succeed three out of 10 times. And so most of the time in baseball, you're actually failing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so that's like the concept most people don't realize. You're actually failing most of the time. And so you actually learn how to manage your feelings of failure and how to bounce back, which I think is one of the most valuable skills you could possibly learn because you're not when you're building a business or you're building anything, you know, or going after a goal, you're going to fail. There's no way around it. And baseball teaches you how to go, all right, I failed this time. Let me take it another shot at it and, and just keep trying until you succeed. And then you kind of when you do succeed, it's like the best feeling in the world. And so that's what baseball's taught me. And I apply it literally in everything. And I think that's why I'm built for marketing because when I do the marketing, the sales aspect. You do have to try a bunch of different things and not everything works and you have to know how to go. That's okay. That didn't work. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And I'm curious, you seem like a very resilient person. So what do you feel like has built that muscle of resilience? Uh, basically, you know, going through obviously baseball is a great uh, training mechanism. Um, I did, you know, I ran into a couple of things, you know, I wanted to become a, a professional baseball player and I didn't make it. And that was like my everything. So I had to learn how to like, you know, redefine who I was and, and actually try for another goal. And that's that's one thing that helped me. Another was um, when I was in high school, my junior year, we were having like a really strong season. And in Las Vegas, baseball is like ultra competitive, like a lot of guys make it to the major leagues. And so when you're playing against these teams, they're they're very good. So you care a lot about winning. And I remember in one of our 
uh, regional games, our team had never made it like this far. And we were going to win, and I was the leadoff hitter. And I broke my leg that game. And after I broke my leg, we ended up losing that game. And that was, like, heartbreaking. I remember feeling like I let the team down because I broke my leg. And, you know, I'm kind of the leader of the team. And um, that taught me a lesson. On, you know, the very next year I came back because I was injured for eight months. And so um, I, I just learned how to be resilient just through – things that really matter to me, not going the way I wanted them to and saying, I got to try again. <laughs> right. And um, so what about your wife? Tell us a little bit about her and how you met her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So my wife, she's, it's pretty funny. So she was a friend. Well, yeah. So she was a sister of a friend of my teammate. Uh, so I met her through just kind of like, they're really close. They're, they're like basically family. I met her through like a family gathering and I just got invited randomly to it. And I went and I, and I met her and we kind of just, you know, hit it off more like friends. And we were actually friends for a long time before we actually started seriously dating and then eventually getting married. And so the way we basically met was, essentially becoming friends first. She used to come over to that friend's house all the time. And I was roommates with him and we would talk here and there, but nothing too serious. And then, um, you know, we would just keep talking became more and more friends and started hanging out more often. And yeah, and then it just transitioned into, uh, you know, a deeper relationship, but my wife, she's really good because she lets me be, you know, who I am, you know, she, she understands who I am both strengths and weaknesses, right? Because we all have them. And she's she's good. She's very supportive. Uh, at times, I think she thinks I'm crazy. But, you know, it's it's the perfect match because she she really compliments, you know, who I am. And in a lot of ways, uh, pushes me to be better in other aspects of my life, which helps everything, right? And so a lot of the things that I've been able to accomplish does have uh, a lot to do with her. Absolutely. And what specifically, you guys have a little, um, a little baby. I mean, I guess he's a toddler, right? Yep. Yep. And he's how old? Um, he's 18, 19. I, I keep losing track of the months, but he's, he's going to be two in September. Um, and so he's, he's great. It's, you know, I tell my wife just joking. I said, you know, no offense, but he is the greatest thing that ever happened. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's marriage. What brings it, right? Brings yep. the next generation. That's awesome. And um, what has been surprising to you about being a parent that you didn't expect? Um, yeah, this, you know, this is, that's a great question. So um, one thing that I always, I had a limiting belief for a long time. So I got married, at least in the, in the Utah sense, very late. Um, in most other places, probably regular, but <laughs> I got married uh, later here in Utah, and one of the reasons why I didn't get married for so long was I had this belief that if you got married, you could not pursue anything else, that you somehow had to stop all of your dreams and like, you know, fun time is over, basically. That, that was like my belief. And, that, and the reason why I say a limiting belief, because that's obviously false, but what surprised me from, you know, becoming a parent and getting married is the, the the level of motivation and how it increases it and actually helps with focus. And I actually feel more passionate 
about what I'm doing versus less passionate or less constrained. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I'm able to fully express what I want to do and, and, and have that extra motivation to not only support your family in a way of like, I have to make sure that they have food on the table, but more of like, there's a reason for why you work hard and do everything. It's not just, and I apologize for the airplane. I live right across the military base. So occasionally hear airplanes. <laughs> well, perfect. It's like, it fits the story. It, exactly. Right. Military pride. I live right across the street from the base. <laughs> Transition to how you got from playing like you played baseball, it didn't work yep. out, and then you pivoted to um, personal training. Yep. And then that allowed, led you to marketing. So yep. tell us about that. So obviously, you know, after playing baseball, that didn't work out. I transitioned to, you know, I was big into exercise and, you know, physical fitness because, because I was so competitive and wanted to uh, make the major leagues, I would do anything to figure out how to get better, improve, and, you know, weight training and going into the weight room was a big part of that. And so what I did was when I was finished, I honestly just didn't know what to do. So I was like, you know, I know a lot about exercise because I've been doing it for a while now because of playing baseball. So I ended up becoming a personal trainer. And the kind of the weird thing is this. So I got certified. I went to school. I did all that. Right. <laughs> and basically what, what I found was okay, if I know how to do this, maybe I could be a trainer and I can just help someone out. So I went to, um, I, you know, I don't know if I can say the brand name or not, but Goals Gym. So I went to Goals Gym and I applied for a job just to be like a front desk person or something, just to get in. And what ended up happening was I got uh, interviewed by a guy. He brought me on and he actually was like, hey, you know what? I know you're a personal trainer, but you're, you actually seem like you would be pretty good at sales. And so he moved me into like this management role and I was training people and training trainers. And then over, over the years, what happened was I went from working for Golds to then working for another personal training company within Golds to then moving to uh, building my own personal training business. Okay. So taking everything I learned from that. And I, by the way, I started that business in one day. So there was no thought, no planning. I just one day said, you know what? I want to start a business. I called my boss and quit and just left the next day and started a business. So that's how like random that was. And then I learned a lot about, um, you know, building a business by trial and error. And trust me, I made a lot of mistakes doing that. And I learned how to market and sell and, and develop a team and lead groups of people and all of that great stuff. And then what ended up happening was as I learned the training and how to market and get more clients. I didn't, um, you know, it's a tough business. And so it's constantly transitioning because gym owners buy each other out and you're renegotiating deals and things like that. And I was like, you know, I prefer trying to build something where I have a little bit more longevity and it's not so up and down as far as I'm changing a business partner every two seconds because the, the gym has been sold. And so I moved into marketing because I pretty much played that role in my businesses and working at Gold's Gym the whole time and really loved it. And then I realized that, oh, I could actually help other businesses do this because the concepts are the same. So that's how I ended up uh, becoming a, a marketer from baseball player to personal training to marketing for clients. 
Right. And um, so you told me about failures that <laughs> you've had along the journey. Yeah. And, I'm just, and clearly, you know, just like you said about baseball, it gives you lots of opportunities to. Fail. Yes. Um, but how do you feel like that, that maybe the exposure to failure so much of it, um, how do you feel like that helped you in the marketing world and making your own business? Or- Got it. Well, I think, you know, what failure teaches me um, constantly <laughs> is it teaches me that I can keep going and that I can succeed um, as long as I stay focused. Right. And so um, it, it, it allows me to understand, like when you're exposed to failures often, um, it allows me to understand that nothing is final and that, you know, you can figure out a way to make things work if you're creative enough and think outside the box. And so with that being said, it never gets me completely down because I have a reference point of knowing like, you know, this has happened before I felt sad and thought everything was over and then it turns out to be okay. And so I'm going to be just fine. I, this is just uh, something that feels uncomfortable when I run into an obstacle or roadblock, it's not permanent. And so it's allowed me to tell myself over and over again, nothing is ever permanent. It's just a situation that, you know, you'll get, you'll get through if you stay focused. Tell the story about how you met the famous. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so something really like random happened to me one time and it stands out pretty uh, drastically in my mind because of how unique it happened. So there was a book that I really liked, uh, enjoyed reading. It was about personal finance. And when I read the book, I was like, wow, this is a totally unique way of looking at things, which is which it attracted me because that's kind of how I believe I think is to always do things outside the box and not to just think you can only do it one way. Right. And so I really enjoyed it. And then one day. What's the name of the book? Yeah. Uh, Killing Sacred Cows. And the author, his name's Garrett Gunderson. Who, and, and he's a good friend of mine. So, um, but he's, he's essentially my mentor when it comes to how to grow and, you know, obstacles and things like that. He's a funny guy. He actually just did a stand-up comedy show. Um, cause he's so, he challenges himself so much. He actually just did a comedy show to, to, uh, to see how he does. And he did very well. It was actually a special that they, that they filmed. But anyways, I met, so I read his book and it's a Friday night in, you know, in downtown Salt Lake city. I'm a single man at the time too. So, you know, I really want to go out. I don't want to just be working, but I had to. And one of the trainers that actually ended up, that was like Mr. Reliable. He never missed any sessions, never missed appointments, nothing. Well, he had an appointment scheduled with Garrett and he couldn't make it that night. And he did a no show, no call. So like, not only did he not miss it, he didn't even think that, you know, he, I didn't even know. So I'm looking all over the place for him. can't find him. And I'm like, wow, this is like never happened. So I ended up talking to this guy. And then the sales rep who was going to sign Garrett up, his like computer froze. So then he couldn't get in. So he had to come get me again to fix it. So as I went in to fix it, I'm talking to him and I'm like, the likelihood of this actually happening the way it went down is almost 0%, right? Because this stuff never happened. So I sat down and I'm going to sign him up and I, I say, okay, so I'm entering his information. I'm like, so what's your name? 
And he says, you know, Garrett, you know, Gunderson, whatever. And I look at him, I go, and he's dressed really nice. So I look at him and I say, what do you do for a living? And he looked hesitant, like he didn't really want to tell me. And he's like, you know, I'm an author and a speaker. And I said, what book did you write? And he said, Killing Sacred Cows. And I was like, wow, that I love that book. I just read it like not too long ago. And he's like, oh, nice. And he was excited. And then he was going to train with the trainer that was Mr. Reliable. And then I scheduled him to come in the next day. And my trainer couldn't make it again. So I just ended up taking him as a client to make sure like the customer service was okay. And after speaking with him during our first training session, I asked him, what do you do? How did you market your book? And, you know, all these questions. I thought, you know what? This guy sounds like he might be able to at least teach me a thing or two. So maybe I'll just be his trainer. And so I told him, hey, I'll be your personal trainer. <laughs> if you're okay with me asking you questions, you know, while we, you know, while we exercise and do that. And so that's pretty much how I actually learned how to market was he was my mentor. And he connected me with a lot of uh, very smart people, a lot of great opportunities. And he pushed me in a lot of uh, in positive ways. You know, he knew how to drive me. So, uh, so it was very beneficial for him. So, and I'm curious, what are some of the ways that Garrett um, pushed you or like helped you to grow in ways that you otherwise wouldn't have grown? I have a very funny story. And if he saw this, he would laugh because he would know exactly what I'm talking about. One time I was training him and he was having, he was having a bad day. We'll call it that. Right. You know, he was just stressed with, his staff and his employees, you know, everything was going on. And he came in and he looked normally, he's very upbeat and excited. Um, this day he looked kind of down, you know, he was, he just looked like, you know, like he was beat up, like he didn't sleep or something. He was just stressed. So we go to do his exercise and we're on the squat rack and I know exactly where and how I asked him. And I was like, man, are you doing all right? You know? And he says, you know, not, not that good. You know, it's just, you know, it's just success problems, you know? And he's, you know, he was saying it as, you know, being funny and sarcastic and, you know, just challenging. And he goes, you know, but you'll never know what any of these problems are. You know, you'll never be as successful as I am. And he's saying it, you know, in, in a friendly, joking manner. But that was just something that he knew, like, he could say stuff like that. And the competitive nature of me would go, you know what, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> So that's probably the biggest way that he's pushed me. But he pushed me in a lot of different ways based on my thinking, um, what my mental habits were about viewing money and viewing how to grow business, how to grow myself, how, you know, even to the point of uh, he and a couple of his partners also taught me that it is possible to have uh, a successful business career while also having a successful marriage and being married and having a family there, you know, they pretty much showed me that it is possible to do these kinds of things and that I didn't have to have those limiting beliefs. And so they pretty much helped me on all aspects of, you know, I, I would look at myself as just a raw sponge looking for, you know, advice and they just provided it. You know? <laughs> it's wonderful that you were so open to that. It's such a good thing. Tell me about how you overcame your fear of people saying no. Got it. So when, so how I overcame the fear of people saying no was I was so fearful of hearing no or getting rejected that it like consumed me. And I knew that I had to somehow overcome it. 
And I was essentially desperate to get rid of this feeling of like rejection and the fear of rejection and not being able to do it. So what I ended up doing was I, you know, one morning I woke up and I said, you know what, just like anything else, it has to be desensitized. So I don't notice it anymore. So I did the no challenge and the no challenge is basically going around and purposely asking questions that, you know, people say no to so that I could hear no so much and realize that no one's going to be upset at me just for asking that eventually it, it got to the point where I no longer noticed. And so even when I would do sales, I, I mean, a funny story is when I was inside of a gym, there was a lady that I went up and approached, you know, I think the day before and was saying, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about using a trainer? And this is me actually trying to potentially sell as a client. And she's like, you know, I'm not really interested. Thank you though. And in the past I would have like, you know, completely crushed me for like a week. But because I did the no challenge, I didn't even like, it didn't bother me so much so that the very next day I asked her again and forgot she told me no. <laughs> and she actually thought, wow, you're pretty persistent. And she goes, I told you no yesterday. And I was like, you did? <laughs> you're like, I can't even remember. I'm just getting so yeah. So I guess you could say the experiment worked. It desensitized you to where I didn't even remember that she told me no the day before. Right. And a highly emotional experience as we remember. And if we're not emotional, yep. just like forget it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you suffer from regret? Do you ever feel like you look back and you're like, oh, I just. Oh, I, you know what? I think I do often. You know, I think when I think about certain decisions at certain points and how one decision could have led me one way versus the other, I do think, you know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, they, they live with no regrets. And I think, I believe, you know, what, what they may mean by that is they're happy that the outcome still led them to become who they are today. That's what I believe that they're saying, but I, I don't, it's hard for me to believe that they don't have regrets. Like, dang, I wish I would have did this, or I wish I would have uh, made this decision versus that one at that time. Right. But yeah, I, I absolutely have regrets. There's many things that I would have done differently now that I've grown more as a person and as a business person that at the age and time that I was doing it at, I didn't know anybody, you know? And so I think it's okay to, to have regrets and to make mistakes. And one thing that I've learned as I've, you know, done more and more businesses and more and more failures and successes and all that is to learn that it's, it's actually okay to fail. And it's actually okay that you don't make perfect decisions all the time. It's just a matter of trying to get better, right? And so as long as I'm working on, I made these mistakes, what mistakes did I make? How can I improve them? And always having that mindset, then I feel better about the regrets. But of course, there's some things where like there's, there's a couple in my mind where I think, you know, if I would have did this marketing plan at this specific time, that really would have took off versus, you know what I mean? Right. So there's plenty of those. You've got to, you know, you've got to be able to uh, forgive yourself because if not, what will happen is you'll stay in, in an unproductive state for a while. And then when you kind of get out of the cloud, you'll realize you wasted that time basically for no reason. Yeah, I love the cloud analogy. That makes a lot of sense to you know me. What I mean? <laughs>
So what have been some of the things that you're like, this did happen. This is so great. And I'm pleased about this. Yeah. I'm very, I have a very specific scenario that actually has to do with my business mentor and kind of the almost unbelievable, I guess, likelihood that this would happen. Okay. This almost sounds unbelievable completely, but so a couple of years before I met my business partner or excuse me, my business mentor, um, I went, one of the, one of my favorite places to go to is uh, Laguna beach, California. Right. And there was a very specific spot that I parked one time with a friend of mine and it was across this hotel. And I was like, you know, one day I want to be able to stay at one of these like fancy hotels and like actually make something of myself. Right. And this is at a time where like, it's not like I'm not doing anything. It's just that I'm not like everyone feels like you're not where you want to be yet. Right. And obviously Laguna beach is very expensive. <laughs> so I was in there, believe it or not, I slept in my car that night with, with my friend because we didn't have enough money to actually get a hotel. So I slept in my car. I'm like, man, I'd love to sleep in one of those instead of here. And so I made it a goal to uh, one day stay in a place like this and also to meet this guy named Tim Ferriss, who is like a writer, blogger, right? And I was like, for our work week, right? And he actually was his book is what caused me to quit in one day because I read his his negative visualization and realized, you know what, what I really want to do is start a business. So let me just quit now. And I went through his entire exercise. And so this is how that business and you know all that got started, right? So what happened was I started doing well after meeting this business mentor. And he invited me to a conference that was invite only. And it's like all the top entrepreneurs in the country, the people that are like on the show Shark Tank and internet marketers and real estate tycoons and all that stuff, right? And then there's me, who's there? You know, I was just invited because I basically begged my client to find a way to get in. And so I made it there. But I, what I did not realize was when I made it there, I ended up being able to stay in a really high-end room, meeting all of these people. And it was actually the exact hotel that I slept in my car right across the street. And here's the crazy thing. I met Tim Ferriss in that hotel, right? So that was like, to me, I remember like that day being like, this is, you know, this is unbelievable because... Number one, I was sleeping in my car not that long before this. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm actually from my room looking at the actual like parking lot of where, you know, where we parked and being like, wow, this is absolutely insane. Like I can't. It, but the weird, here's the thing. I didn't realize that I was act, like that was actually what situation I was in until um, I took a video and I was going to post just online, like, hey, check this out. It's a beautiful view, right? And then when I did it, then it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. That's the same. <laughs> so that, to me, that was one of my biggest successes because that was the, the power of resilience and the power of saying, I'm just, you know what? I failed or this didn't work out. Get back up and try again. To me, that's, you know, success is, is being able to feel that feeling. 
Well, it's the power of a, of a vision. That's a beautiful story. Um, and I also, we talked about this, but the challenge to grow, like how, when, when you gain more success, you also have more challenges. How have you been able to, to grow with the business opportunities that you've had? Sure. Not have them overwhelm you? Yeah. So um, basically, I think first it all starts in my mentality of knowing it never ends. Right. And also knowing that there are going to be new things that I don't know. Right. And so if I make that assumption, then I can always be prepared because it's usually when you think that you have all the understanding and knowledge when something blindsides you. And so what I found is as, as I grow, I'm open to the idea of what I don't know. You know, what things do I need to get educated on? Who knows things more than I do in these subjects? And, and basically just looking at it like a student at all times and knowing I must get better in every aspect. And when I get really good at one aspect, there's another level to take it. And there's someone else out there who's even better at it than I am. So I'm like in this constant quest of learning and developing my skills and just take them to the next level because I know it's 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 a never-ending game, and it's fun. It's enjoyable for me, and I look at it as like you know, I think in, in the early stages I used to get frustrated with what I didn't know, and it would actually overwhelm me and give me like high levels of anxiety. And now I realize when I start to feel that way, this is actually good. So I actually view it as like oh, okay, so I'm not, now I'm in the good stuff. Because when I figure this out, then I'm really going to be good. You see what I'm saying? So it's a shift, I think, in mindset, too, of like not viewing my personal self-worth as not knowing a piece of information or not knowing how to do something versus just looking at it as like, that's a skill that I need to acquire. And so I just need to find someone who knows that skill and learn it. It's like, even if you're like the leader or, you know, whatever, you're the uh, the owner, the founder, you're still always learning from other people and everyone can teach you a lesson. They don't have to be, um, the only people I can learn from is a CEO of some giant company and the person across the street can't possibly teach me anything. It's everyone has something that they can teach you, both positive and negative, right? But there is something you can learn. And so I view that as, you know, as I go through this, hiring the right people and also being open-minded to like some people may see things a different way and that might be a better way. So one of the, my favorite things I actually tell my wife, she'll laugh at when she hears this is, you know, she's really big on like, Hey, make sure we do it. Like if the instructions are this way, make sure we do it this way. And I try my best to follow the instructions, but Sometimes I'm not strong at it. Like I'm trying my best, but I'm not strong at it. And but but sometimes we'll get the, the a better result or the result we were after, anyways. And so now she we have a phrase that I always say is sometimes the wrong way is the right way. Right? right. Because sometimes you can do something that is considered the incorrect path, but it can take you to the right destination, right? And so, yeah, that's. Yeah, I wonder if that's your secret sauce, though. 
is that so many times in marketing, you've kind of approached things from a different path and therefore it's allowed you to be more successful. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think with, with the whole marketing aspect too, um, being okay, you know, putting yourself on the line is okay. And being okay with, you know, you could, you know, fall flat. You could not get what you need. You can, you know, I call it the uh, marketer's anxiety, right? And I feel like just like in baseball, the people who make it to the top tier are the ones who are able to manage that performance anxiety, you know, where maybe most people are afraid of failing or, you know, if I say this and it doesn't work out or what happens if this, you know, all these what ifs can come into your mind. You have to be able to channel that and say, everything's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. If it doesn't work out, we're going to come up with another plan. We're not going to quit though. Yeah. And, and maybe this is, um, what do you feel like you would tell somebody who isn't clear on their life goals that maybe hit a, hit a roadblock and they realize they don't want or like something stopped them? Yeah. What would you do for somebody like that? How would you help them gain clarity? Yeah. So, you know what? I actually, um, this is something I'm pretty passionate about is helping people develop kind of something that they want to do. And I have some very specific advice, which is focus more on the core value of what matters to you and less in how that happens. So I typically recommend if you're going to do core value based life, right? You're more likely to be okay to be flexible and, and have faith that things will work out because you're following the core value of what your life is like for me, my core value that's that that is a big driving factor for me is to constantly improve, which means that that could be I need to be a better father, I need to be a better husband, I need to be a better marketer, right? I I need to just be a better person. Like there's so many aspects that you can always be improving on that because that's my core value, I allow things to kind of happen. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe in this stage of my life. I need to be better at this. So I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to get to where I want to be as long as I keep the core value mission. Uh, this is kind of just what is important to me and it's in alignment. So when I tell someone to do that, there's less pressure on you need to have a title or you need to get a degree or you need, because if you're making choices based on your core value, you're not so attached to that end result because you, you know you're going to get to where you need to be anyway. So I'm, I'm curious, do you ever feel like marketing is it's manipulative? I do. I, and so I've had conversations with this. This isn't the first time I've been asked this too. I've had conversations about uh, business marketing and manipulation and is it manipulative? And I think the answer is yes, it is. Um, but here's basically how I view manipulation. So manipulation is always viewed as a negative word, Right. Um, but manipulation is more about how you're going to present things and how you're going to use it, right? So I always say manipulation is part of the game with anything that you're doing, you know, job interview, how you post on social media, ads, 
your relationship, all of it's manipulation. But as it, the, once again, it goes back to the core of how are you using it? So I believe if you use manipulation for the betterment of the other side, there's nothing wrong with it because the end goal is to try to make the other side benefit or be better versus manipulation of I'm going to do something so you do it for me so I benefit and you lose. That's a different form of manipulation. And, and that's, that's a word that I think is key is intent. You know, intent has a lot to do with it, right? So, like, should you be manipulating people to the point of where they're doing things they don't want to do or that's going to harm them? Or No. Should you be trying to control other people? No. But you can try to persuade and manipulate the options for people to see, to have a choice, to say, you know what, I do like this or maybe not. And you have to make it okay for them not to want to do it too, right? So that's where I think that's where I think a lot of this comes from is like just making sure that the intent is positive and that you always keep that center of mind and you never disrespect it. Right? That's something that I've learned over time. Where in my younger years, I may have just thought just just do it to get the sale or to you know to get the end result. But then as you analyze and look at it. You go, you know, you got to be careful with this because you can use it for bad, right? And you don't want to do that because that's going against your core value of trying to get better as a human. Are you perfect? No, but you should at least know, you know, you get that kind of conscious feeling of like, should I be doing that? Well, if it feels funny, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm curious how what are your core values like what have you determined like guides you in the choices that you make sure so uh, my number one thing obviously is a personal core value self-improvement uh, the other core value is to always make others around me feel like they're better by being around me and to, to also um have people feel like they can be their true selves without being judged and to have someone that will help push and motivate them to say, Hey, if you think that's a gift for you and I, I support that, you know what I'm saying? That's like my number one. That's how I would want people to, if you were to say, you know, quote unquote, remember me. Um, that's how I would want to be is remember someone that always saw things in a positive way. And, you know, and I've been told this before, but, you know, making people feel like the, the, the possibilities are, are limitless. Anything is possible if we try it. <laughs> How like you asked me what my vision was. And um, my vision is, is to, to see how good of a business I can create while maintaining a great lifestyle. And when I say a great lifestyle, that doesn't mean going out and buying 22 Lamborghinis because I don't value that. Um, I value experience. So uh, the travel time spent with family, fun times with friends, watching sports, like that's, that's where I center everything around. And so my vision is to build a great business where I can combine helping other people feel fantastic and limitless while simultaneously being able to live my lifestyle also. And it's just a, a, a euphoria. And basically what I tell people as a joke I used to say back in the day was my goal is to make you 
as excited as humanly possible and to keep you there. <laughs> and people used to think that was crazy. And I was saying it joking because I knew it would kind of uplift them. But in a lot of ways, I feel like I do want to do that. It's a, just anyone that's around me to just feel so excited, so happy that they just stay in a constant state of euphoria. <laughs> that's a beautiful goal and wonderful intention. <laughs> I like that a lot. And um, I am curious, do you have a personal hero? Yeah, you know, so, you know, when it comes to like personal hero, obviously I view my parents as, you know, heroes because of our uh, background, risk-taking, the life lessons that they've taught. Um, when I look at, um, you know, people that are doing cool things, anyone that's really striving to be the best at whatever it is that they're doing is my hero. So I have a tendency to value um, – I, I love world-class obsession – and perfection. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's obviously I'm a sports guy, so I love sports, but I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in seeing like this guy's world-class at chess. It's like, wow, that's incredible. This guy's world-class at surfing. Like I, I view every skill and every technique almost on an even playing field of like, if you want to be the best at something and you dedicate yourself to that, I don't care if it's picking up trash. I will think it's amazing because of the level of dedication and commitment to what it is that you have. Because I believe it is important to have something that you're working and striving towards every day to be better at. You know what I mean? I feel like that gives you a purpose. Absolutely. And purpose is a driver. Yes. Many of the situations in life. If you have purpose, you can overcome a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is the Thy Neighbor podcast, and I, genu I genuinely believe that no man is an island and that we all get to where we're going because of the people who have helped us along our path, which you have definitely acknowledged on this, but how have neighbors in your life helped you get to where you are? Man, so, you know, you can't, you obviously can't do everything yourself, right? And no one is self-taught. And one of the things that, you know, I've told myself, I believe in self-talk also, um, and, and people who feel like they're down and out or maybe discouraged about where they're at, is I basically look at it and I go, hey, look, none of us, you know, came out the womb knowing how to write code on a computer or how to shoot a basketball or how to play the piano or any of that stuff, right? Anyone who's doing great things are being helped and influenced by other people that are making sacrifices. See what I'm saying? So when when you're trying to, sorry, I get a little emotion about that. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> so people are making sacrifices to help you get to where you need to be. I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's beautiful. That's that's almost unexpected for me to do that. But I think yeah, you know, you can't you can't do anything on your own. You have to you have to accept help from others. You have to realize that if if you want to be great, then you know, there's people backing you up. Sometimes you don't think they are, but they are. And your neighbors, as much as as much as everything is pushes self-made and I did it myself and 
I can do it a hundred percent on my own. It's, you know, that's false. And you can't, you know, you can't do that. You can't think that, you know, you can do it all on your own and you have to, you know, you got to be willing to accept advice, even sometimes when you don't want to hear it. And sometimes when it's harsh or hard, and that's a couple of lessons that I've learned and experiences that I've gone through is just how many things people can teach you from their own hardships or their, their own successes or just backing you up. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, the, you, you know, you got to respect your neighbors basically. Right. And you got to respect people's opinions and um, build a, a supportive group of people around you. And I think if, if you do that, you'll have a better opportunity to accomplish whatever it is you want. 